friends, Maestro here, bringing you episode 481 of Maestro on the Mic. In today's episode, we are talking about the fact that the bike behemoth Peloton got plastic surgery. That's right, folks. They underwent a huge rebrand, and I think that there are some business lessons to be learned. All this and more, but first, hey, DJ, give me that heartbeat. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro Five, Three, two... Hello, 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 my podcast people, and thank you for joining me for yet another episode of my favorite podcast. Right off the bat, happy June. If you're listening to this on the day that it drops, you're watching it, it is Monday, June 5th. I batch these, I record them early, and I realized I never celebrated June. So nothing special about June 5th, just the fact that I messed up last week and never celebrated the fact that we are in June. And so welcome to June. Happy June. Uh, today we're talking about Peloton, the bike behemoth, or I should say the former bike behemoth, because they underwent plastic surgery and they got a whole rebrand. And I listened to this on a podcast episode recently. Um, and I just, I thought it was a really interesting story. I think there's some business lessons that we can take away from it. And I wanted to share them with you. So I actually shared this, these lessons or part of these lessons, not all of them, uh, as an email to my email list. I don't know, maybe last week, two weeks ago. Um, if you want to join the list, we'll link that in the show notes. Would love to have you over there. Um, I do share different things on different platforms. And I shared there first, um, and I decided to make it a podcast, one, because once is never, or podcast episode, one, because once is never, two, because I have more M-O-A-R, more space on a podcast to kind of articulate things. Um, and there's some additional points that I wanted to bring up that I couldn't really articulate as well via written word. Um, and I also wanted to get that email sent out. And so I was like, I'm not going to sit here and try to figure out the words, but I had some time uh, and Hence, this episode was born. So if we zoom out, make this meta for a second, consider this with your own creation process or your own cre creativity process um, that you can take content and you can repurpose the actual, the exact content or you can repurpose the ideas and you can put them in different formats, right? People learn differently as well. They learn different learning styles and some people are auditory, some people are visual learners. Um, so think about that if you are a content marketer. So a little backstory here um, where I even, you know, even got the idea for this episode. Um, I was making breakfast and was like, hey, I got a little bit of time as I wait for my bacon and my greens to crisp up. So I was like, let me put on a podcast. I don't always listen to podcasts, um, but I was like, let me put on an episode. And this particular episode was from a podcast called The Best One Yet. I had subscribed to this podcast however long ago, but it's a different name. They rebranded. I didn't even, I was like, you, the cover art changed. And I was like, what even is this? But the title of the episode spoke to me because um, it talked about Peloton's rebrand. I'm really interested in branding kind of the branding side of things. Um, it also was talking about the trillion dollar coin, 
which I was like, oh, that'll be fun to, to listen to, and pro bull riding. And I was like, yes, three things. I like it. Let's listen to the episode. So we'll link that episode if you want. Um, it's in the show notes. I honestly don't like the podcast. There's a reason I stopped listening to it. I find the host actually quite annoying, um, but I'll, I will link to the episode anyway. But the actual segments, each of the individual segments were very good. And the, pe- the Peloton segment inspired me to, to share my two pennies you know, with my people, both in, in email and now with this specific episode. So if you don't know about Peloton, Peloton was formerly a, we're going to call it, a, I'm going to call it a bike company. They had a stationary bike. It had a TV. It was a high-end stationary bike company. They blew up during COVID, of course, because folks were forced to stay inside. You literally couldn't go ride your bike anywhere. It was funny because, you know, I, I was would be walking down the strand where I live um, near the beach before they closed that. And you could see into people's houses, the rich people that live on the strand. And there was freaking Pelotons facing the strand where you would normally be riding your bike. And it's just like, oh, you're so close. You almost got it. Like you're going to put the stationary bike inside facing where you're supposed to be riding the bike. But at that point in time, you literally could not go outside. The company, they really doubled down on this message of being a luxury brand and a higher end brand. And they sold their bikes for like literally $11 billion a piece. And they went all in on the messaging that home workouts were elite. And if you use this this bike and you subscribe to the, to the membership thing, like it was an elite thing to be a part of. I think that any and all of us in the health and fitness space, we saw the writing on the wall. Like... There's only but so many people who are going to pay $2,000 plus for a stationary bike. I bought a shit ton of gym equipment during that time, but nothing was $2,000. Nothing. Not total, yes, I spent way more than $2,000, but individual pieces, you know, I got one of the first pieces I got was actually an assault bike, which I think, for whatever reason, I didn't do the research on this, but my brain says $695. Like, it was not $2,000 for this thing. I got a rower. I think that was like $800. Bucks. Nothing was over $1,000. No single piece of equipment. Absolutely not. I think we all saw the writing on the wall with this. Super expensive. We've all seen what happens with these aerobic uh, equi- exercise equipment. Right? These aerobic pieces of these pieces of aerobic equipment, right? Whatever you want to call them. Um, remember the Nordic track skier? What happened to that thing? The skis are always falling off, right? They've become super expensive clothing racks. And I think we all saw that that was going to happen, especially when people were allowed to go back outside. Additionally, me being someone who's really interested in the online space and just kind of how community is formed through it and how it can provide that sense of connection, it was pretty evident to me that Peloton's main draw was the instructors, namely Cody. I think people, everyone loves Cody. I think it's his name. And the fact that there was this community aspect of things that people were looking for during COVID. You literally couldn't leave your house. Sharon says so. You know I love Sharon Sesso. She had a Peloton group. It was called Governors or something like that. Like that was the main draw during that time. To me, and I think to many of us, the writing was on the wall, and it was like, how can this? How is this company going to sustain? Like, are they really going to keep doing well? It doesn't I don't I don't think so. What are they going to need to do to kind of change things up and stay relevant? Uh, sta- sales for for Peloton they shot up, right? Of course, but they dropped pretty much just as quickly. Uh, there was like that whole treadmill lawsuit as well. So yeah, Peloton does have a treadmill as well. And I believe a kid like got sucked underneath or something like that and got killed. It was a, I don't know, they kind of hid that thing, but that was definitely a lawsuit that, that happened at one point. And that they tried to kind of stay alive 
Um, that sounds insensitive. I talk about the kid getting under and staying alive. But either way, the company tried to stay afloat. Um, they did drastic price reductions. They were, you know, discounting everything. They went and started doing rental programs. There's currently a rental program. You can rent the bike. Uh, and now what we're seeing is kind of, I don't want to say it's a last ditch effort, but they've got plastic surgery, AKA they went and did a full rebrand. So when I first, with this, when I first started this podcast episode, I said how Peloton was, in my opinion, they started off as a bike company, a stationary bike, a high-end stationary bike company. Peloton, actually, the name, it's typically used by riders. It means a group of riders. So I believe it comes from like the French word, like kind of like platoon. So it means group, but it's colloquially and, and just generally used to reference cycling and, and, and in reference to cyclists and the main group of cyclists. So with the rebrand, Peloton went from a hardware company that sold bikes to a software company that sells an app. If you go to their website, it's onepeloton.com. The hero video, so like the video that's like the main video when you go on there, there's like a video playing in the background. It's all about the app, right? They've changed the colors. We know kind of Peloton has that signature red. That's gone to the wayside. And actually, they've done brought in Maestro Green. Go check it out. The The main button that they use is Maestro Green. And the, when the video opens up, there's a woman looking at her phone, and the phone case is that same Maestro Green. They're just bringing a lot of pops of color, trying to make it look really, really fun. The button, the main call to action that's on that button is actually, it says, explore the app. It doesn't talk about the machines or the equipment. Yes, they, the bike and the, um, what is it called? The treadmill, it's like in the video, but it's not the main thing in the video by any means. And their new tagline is workout here, there, anywhere. Right? They are all about this app. Like, yeah, so they're like, yeah, we have these things, but the main thing we want you to do is buy that. They even introduced a free tier for, for the app. Um, if you go and you just were to, to Google uh, Peloton, the meta description, so the little description that comes up underneath the, the website, it says, access high energy workouts instantly. Discover Peloton, streaming fitness classes to you live and on demand. Doesn't say shit about a bike. Doesn't say shit about treadmill. I think they have a rower as well. It's all about the app and the workouts. So we'll see if this rebrand works out for them, if it saves them. But I think that there are definitely business lessons to be learned. The first one that just because it's a big company doesn't mean the leadership is good. We know this, but it has to be said. It has to be said. This is what happens when you put greed and profits before common sense. To me, this is terrible foresight. They, the company had terrible foresight in not identifying the role that COVID played in their success and then proceeding accordingly. Like People literally had to stay inside. Of course, the thing did well. What are we projecting moving forward? Because people are going to be able to, to go outside at some point. What, what then? We also saw the same thing with all the major tech companies, right? Facebook hiring a zillion people during this time. People were literally forced to only be on their phone. Of course, user engagement is going to go up during this time. The, co the tech companies hired a bunch of people and then had to fire a bunch of people because everyone was able to leave their house and do other things and kind of go back to living in-person life. And we saw, you know, they saw subsequently saw, you know, user base and, and engagement and user time go down. Of course it did. Of course it did. So the big lesson 
to take from that is that for us as business owners, for you as a business owner, it is imperative to take into seasonal to take seasonality into consideration, including one-off seasonal events when we are selling things and also, or perhaps more importantly, when we are debriefing our launches and we're debriefing our sales. A complete and thorough debrief needs to investigate the impact of these seasonal events so that future sales can accurately be predicted. The biggest thing here, if you have an event that you're not sure it's going to be there in the future, to me, I think what we need to do then, what I, what, rather what I would suggest doing, is staying super lean and super nimble so that you can adjust to things until we have more of a, a consistent um, events. So we have something like COVID. If you launched a business during COVID, we have to say, well, COVID likely had a huge impact on the business, whether it did well or did poorly. For those that it did really well, we cannot be like, oh, it's going to keep going like this. No, there's a massive event that happened. So in my opinion, what we do there is we keep a lean team, we keep a really lean operation going so that we can change things if and when needed, which is what we saw. I saw it in the online business space where people started their business during COVID, had so much demand, brought on massive teams, and they've since had to fire so many of those people. It's not a surprise, right? We need to have these complete and thorough debriefs and really investigate the role of seasonal events and, I know, outside events and perhaps one-off events so that we can accurately forecast kind of the trajectory of, of sales. I think that one of the things that we need to also consider here is... Um, and this ties into a quote that I just heard from another podcast that was actually really good. Um, but this idea of like not trying to squeeze all of the juice out at once. When it comes to online business, when it comes to anything, realistically, like longevity reigns supreme. And what I think happens is people really get into this like something's really good. I'm just going to get the most out of it instead of being like, how do I prolong this thing like for as long as possible? So I was listening to a podcast, I think the same day. And it was the Morgan Housel podcast. Morgan Housel is the author of that book, The Psychology of Money. Love that book. Phenomenal book. Can't recommend it enough. We'll link it in the in the show notes. Um, but the episode was called The Power of Staying Put. We'll also link that episode. And in it, he was talking about the value of basically doing the same thing over and over again. And he likened it to sports um, and how you know, when you're training, you're actually, you cannot be trying to do one rep maxes every day, right? We're looking at longevity here. He was, the initial episode was, a, the episode was initially about um, a, like a tenured professor and the value of staying in one place, not necessarily doing the same thing the whole time, but staying in that one place. So I'm going to read a quote to you from the episode that I absolutely loved, and then we'll keep going here. So a quote, compounding is just returns to the power of time. Time is the exponent that does all the heavy lifting and the common denominator of almost all big fortunes isn't returns, it's endurance and longevity. Earning excellent returns for a few years is not nearly as powerful, powerful as earning pretty good returns for a long time, for a long time. And there are few things in this industry that can beat earning average returns for a very long time. That's the biggest and most obvious secret in investing, that average returns earned from an, for an above average time leads to extraordinary performance. 
Confirmation bias there, people. You know, this is what I say preaching about. Longevity reigns supreme. To me, Peloton's actions really spoke to trying to squeeze all the juice out immediately, trying to get really good returns for a short amount of time. And I was like, and then what? And then what? Especially if you like have employees, you're just like, ah, oh, we're gonna make them a lot of money, then bye, like, adios. Consider that, right? We want longevity. So the second part here that I think we can learn, and this is a part that I didn't put in the email because I couldn't articulate it as well as I want, and I just didn't have that much space in the email. I don't like to, I don't like to have them drag on, but too long. Like, I'm okay with them being long, but I don't want them like too too long. So the second thing that I think we can take away from uh, Peloton's rebrand is from the consumer side. Number one, big companies don't give a fuck about you. We know this, but I'm going to say it. The fact that Peloton did a complete 180 on their own messaging and went against what they said in the beginning, right? Before they were like, you know, home workouts are elite. They're the best. Use our bike. Fuck the gym. And now they're like, the gym is great. Anywhere is great. Our equipment is fine, but you can really just do this anywhere. Complete 180. They just want more sales. We know this. Right? I am not here to tell you to buy the bike or not. I'm not here to tell you to use the app or not. I don't care. I am just highlighting the fact that when it comes to purchasing, use your judgment and buy things because you want them, period. This is a perfect example of what we call in marketing, contrast marketing. Contrast marketing isn't good or bad. It's something that we do day to day. And if you ever try to make a case for something, you're likely employing contrast marketing. So if I give you like a loose definition of it, Contrast marketing is presenting products strategically arranged to make the product you want to sell look more attractive. Right? You've probably done it as a kid and you're talking like, oh, I want to stay over at Susan's house. And you're just like, well, if I come home, then you're going to have to wake up early to take me to school tomorrow. Whereas if I just stay at Susan's house, her mom can take me. It's easier for you. I know you have a business meeting. It's contrast marketing, right? We talk about it in terms of just when we're looking like aesthetically, right? Using contrast so within your own, like your Canva um, creations, right? Using color to draw attention to specific elements. It's not inherently a, a bad thing. Right? I am highlighting this so that you as the consumer just lean on your own judgment. I just, I felt some kind of way in hearing that, you know, Peloton, I don't want to say I felt some kind of way. I felt that it was a perfect example of how companies tend to operate and they'll switch their messaging very quickly just to make more sales and they'll, they'll change what they're, you know, what they are, what they're highlighting. Um, and they'll use that contrast marketing, but they're going to position this other thing that they want you to buy as the best thing. Both things can be true, like both cases that they're making a case for that they were making a case for at one point in time can be true. They're just looking to do, looking to help, you know, I don't want to say help, looking to coerce you, compel you into taking action. There's a psycho psych psychological component of this. Yes, of course. All I want to say about this is, as consumers, let's not get mad about it. Let's just get educated and then take responsibility, take personal responsibility for our purchases, right? Because, yes, they're going to look to try and get you to buy things. They're going to look to try and lean on psychology, lean on emotion. We know this. So go in knowing that and then just be like, do I want this thing or not? They're going to make a case for it either way. But do you want it? You choose. You lean on your own decisions and then take radical responsibility and be like, yeah. I wanted that thing. I decided to get it and we can move forward. Right. So those are the business lessons that I took away from the bike behemoths, BBL, Brazilian butt lift, right? They got the rebrand. They got the plastic surgery. Make sure that your business debriefs are comprehensive and include seasonal events. 
And understand that conscious marketing will always be a thing. So lean on your own wants and thoughts when you're purchasing and then take responsibility for your decisions. All right. This was a fun episode. I like this. Like I said, we got dropped all the things in the show notes. If you want to, I'm thinking about the email list right now and just the fact that you can, you know, present information that way, present it another way and it's all good. So if you want some information in the written way, join the list. Um, if you got questions, comments, concerns, additions, subtractions, you want a different kind of episode, you got a topic in mind, you want to talk more about branding, marketing. I love this stuff. I would love to hear from you. Shoot me a DM at the Movement Maestro. Shoot me a text, 310-737-2345. I love hearing from you. All right? Gonna wrap it up there. As always, endlessly appreciative for every single one of you. Until next time, friends, Maestro 